We were designed for deep and intimate connection, but far too often we find ourselves on relational autopilot. You want the marriage you dreamed of, not the marriage that you're settling for. Each week we share personal and professional stories, giving you tools and guidance, empowering you to restore and reimagine the marriage you always wanted. Welcome to the Thrive Marriage Podcast. This month we've been in a series talking about one of my favorite topics like in all of the world, <laughs> sex, sexuality, kicked off the month with playing a snippet of an interview that, again, was in the Thrive Marriage Lab uh, with Julie Slattery, who is widely known and renowned as a um, just a voice in the Christian world around human sexuality. So you guys discussed that a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, you and Tracy, and then Tracy and Mark last week, and now it's our turn. And I just find it so ironic that for a decade... My job was going around and talking about sex in some way with all of my anti-human trafficking stuff. I mean, I still remember going into a middle school classroom and those poor seventh graders having to listen to me say some of the things I said. And I just remember watching half the room turn beet red because they, they kind of already knew far more than I was saying. And the other room looked like these innocent little doe eyes, deer in headlights, like what in the world is happening right now? And I just can't believe I did that because Mm -hmm. this is not a topic I actually feel comfortable with at all. And I didn't even want to do this with you today. Right. The thought of talking about this of all things for others to hear just is not like high on my list of things I want to do. Right. Which is part of what we're talking about. (laughs) Right. Which is part of the actual, you know, reality of what Julie talked about um, with regard to how our sexuality is mortgaged. And when we bring ourselves into the place of marriage, intimacy and sexuality, like there's parts of us that are mortgaged. And her analogy is that the bank owns part of it. And I can only bring, you know, 20 percent, 30 percent to you. And so what we're we're actually right in the middle of by you opening that way is we're right in the middle of the mortgages that are currently in the midst of our in the midst of our marriage. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the the first thing that I think of for me when it comes to the mortgage of my sexuality was that I was raised in a very traditional uh, Christian home. Uh, sex was never talked about. There was never any indication of kind of the glory of God. Uh, it represented in the human body. There wasn't any sense of you know any of that. If there was, my dad would make comments about my mom that were sweet on one level, and yet they were just like always about her physicality. A little objectifying. Right. And so it was like, are you, I was always confused. Like, is that how men talk to their wives? And mm-hmm. is that how, you know, and, and it was, it could have been, I don't want to assign meaning to what he meant, but it could have been flirtatious or it could have been derogatory. And that's, that's the environment that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, my environment um, was like less than that there there was no conversation and my my poor mother bless her soul uh, would deflect so whatever the topic was when it approached intimate things she deflected and at times lied to not have to address them with me and so I was well into college we were actually engaged and close to our wedding Mm -hmm. before college friends gave me kind of some human anatomy lessons like that's how bad it was right and in that vacuum of actual knowledge and education 
I had these lovely Christian friends who were very traditional. And the purity culture was alive and well when Mm -hmm. I was in high school. And Elizabeth Elliot's famous Passion and Purity book was the one that was passed around, at least to the girls, in all of the Bible studies and youth groups. And we were separated out, boys and girls, to have the conversations about modesty, not about sex, mind you, but about modesty, about protecting our brothers, um, how we dressed, how we acted, like those sorts of things. And even a little bit of physicality, we were, you know, encouraged, highly encouraged to not hold hands, to not go out on dates. I mean, the courting kind of thing was was getting to be yes. popular back then. Major eye roll for me. So right I now. was scared to death mm-hmm. to date, mm-hmm. to call what we started doing dating, right. to hold your hand, to let you kiss me when we were close to engagement, right? Like those were all terrifying to me because of what I did have in the vacuum of anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me, likewise, it probably wasn't to that degree. I don't think boys in the purity culture were raised in the same way with regard to modesty and you know all of that. It was, uh, in my experience at least, it was sex is just bad, right? Avoid it, avoid it. Don't feel attracted. Don't feel aroused. Don't feel. Don't say anything. Don't you know whatever. There was don't don't don't, and then the the idea was that. On one magical day, when you get married, all of the don'ts suddenly turn into do's. Or, I don't even want to say that, like, all of the idea of, okay, now you can actually be attracted to someone, you can be aroused by someone, you can be intimate with someone. But then the landscape for me, you know, if we're talking about, you know, a thousand acres of what's possible in sexuality with a spouse... Uh, I think for me, the purity culture only gave me in that magical moment of the marriage, the wedding day, gave me about 10 acres. Right. 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 That that's what we entered into marriage with thinking. Right. Yeah. And all the all the things that we could be exploring and knowing and, and being with one another. Like for me, that's the biggest mortgage mm-hmm. has been and I, buying back that yeah. space, that land. And I don't think we're alone. I mean, I think our generation and the one that followed because... You know, it was Joshua Harris who stepped in with his book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, to replace Elizabeth Elliot's Passion and Purity. And so there was a whole other generation right. that also grew up thinking courtship and don't kiss before your wedding day. I mean, in some ways, in an even more extreme version of purity culture. And so there are a lot of couples out there right now who can identify with what we're sharing. And some have carried more baggage in in that than we have, like where it's been really, really difficult to to adjust, um, really difficult to experience all that that God intends for a couple to experience in the bedroom because of all that shame or because of all of that repression. Right. And confusion. Right. And even for years and years, it was like, is that allowed? Can we do this? Is it is it okay? And, it, you know, it, it made that mortgage feel still dirty in the thoughts or desires or whatever that would come up between us mm-hmm. um, because of that history of that that purity culture. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I mean, even when it came to raising kids, I mean, we took we learned a lot about what we wanted to do, but we still felt like 
what's best. I mean, how we tried to use all of the terms. I, there's a podcast out there where I actually encourage you to stand in front of a mirror and practice saying the words. <laughs> do you remember that one? I do. We tried um, to just be really honest and open. When the kids had a question, we just answered it honestly and accurately. And um, And yet I would still say that we have a pretty modest home and we still feel pretty modest when it comes to these conversations. And as our kids have all turned into teens and our oldest has even moved out, like the the depth that's required of us um, to know and understand how to engage is still, it still just feels like we're really thin and weak mm-hmm. in those areas. Yeah, for sure. You know, I also think for me, um, there's a, a moment or a couple of moments uh, in I think it was junior high, high school, where um, I was not an athlete at all, right? There were a lot of reasons for that. Um, Physically, I could have done it. It was just a long ways away from home. Uh, There wasn't other athletes in my family, so there wasn't a value of sport or whatever. And I just remember, um, you know, this is another mortgage, uh, being on the the swim team for my high school, right, you know, went out for the swim team and everyone was accepted kind of a thing, right? So it was just the first freshman year kind of deal. And I remember the horror that I experienced in the locker room and then being asked to put on a Speedo. And the the body shame that I experienced then, um, because I hadn't been an athlete, I hadn't been anything, and it was not like I was out of shape or anything, but all the other boys were much more muscular and developed and and that so there's the body shame of that being in a speedo right which is already you know genitally revelatory um (laughs) if i can use that word right that that it's just like okay this is what it is and it seemed to me like all the other guys were totally fine with it maybe they've been on the swim team before or whatever and i was so horrified i quit the team i just quit. quit i just quit the team because i couldn't I couldn't handle, I had not been given ownership of my own body and glory in my own body from my family. And so it was such a place of like body shame that I just quit. Hmm. And then like, I've, I've wondered like, how has that mortgage continued throughout my life where I'm still not an athlete? I hate working out. Like literally, I loathe it. It, it causes such anger in me. (laughs) And, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not what whatever like it's it's something that just is is there and I wonder how much that has had in our relationship as well. Oh, totally. And I, I mean, body image is a whole nother conversation. We just don't even have time for, but for sure. And I think in terms of the mortgage sexuality piece, it's it's all the visuals that we have kind of out there, mm-hmm. wherever that is, and all the places that show us bodies, right. you know, in intimate ways, and how can you not compare? And I don't look like that. How can you not compare? <laughs> how can you not feel shame when you go to buy something that you want to look sexy in? Like, why would you want to put that on when it's on, you know, this right. half your size mod- mannequin? Right. Like that kind of a thing. And I think for me, again, just from what I assumed in a lack of being educated otherwise, I assumed that was only something women experienced. And it was all on me when I felt those things. I had no idea that men experienced the same thing as strongly. Mm-hmm. And that probably, we didn't really talk through that for years and years mm-hmm. into our marriage. Right. And that has a huge impact. I mean, there's lots of things that we could talk about 
thank God we're not going to. <laughs> right. That that purity culture is the only thing we're going to offer you today because right. it's so relatable and um, it's about all we actually want to offer. Okay. To the, so I'll let you off. The the we can we can end now. We can end now. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Thrive Marriage Podcast, where each week we're bringing you personal and professional stories to help your relationship. You can learn more about us at restorationcounselingnoco.com or find out more about the Thrive Marriage Lab membership community over in our digital laboratories, restorylabs.com. We open membership up only twice a year, so make sure you join the waitlist to be the first to know. We'll see you same time, same place next week.